Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I am your host. Today's episode is a sermon that was brought to us by Pastor Shad McDonald on February 27th, 2022. The scripture reading is from Nehemiah chapter 1, and the sermon is titled, Where There's a Wheel, There's a Wall. I want to say thank you to everyone that has left ratings and reviews, encouraging words via text and email. Thank you so much. It means the world to know that you are listening, being encouraged and helped by these sermons. I want you to listen today as Pastor McDonald talks to us about where there's a wheel, there's a wall. Thank you for listening. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept thy com- the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember... I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Verse number 18 of chapter 2. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us 
Therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Chapter number 4 and verse number 6. So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Chapter 6 of Nehemiah and verse number 15. So the wall was finished in the twentieth and fifth day of the month of Elah in fifty and two days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof and all the heathen that were about saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this was wrought of our God. <clears throat> the Lord will stand by me. I want to try to tie all these texts together. And I want to preach on where there's a wheel, there's a wall. The verse there that's in chapter number 4 in verse 6, So built we the wall, and the wall was bit joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. The word mind there means a heart or a desire of their will. The purpose of my preaching today is to bring us in our heart and our mind to that place that we begin to seek after what the will of God is for our life. And if we can bring our will in accord with His will, we can get the work of God done. And the, the desire of God is to rebuild what has been destroyed. The desire of God is for the wall to be restored and renewed. And really, when you look around today, there, there's a lot of things that have been torn down. There are a lot of things that are broken down. There are some walls that need to be rebuilt. There are some things that God desires to do in your heart and mine. And there's some broken walls that need to be rebuilt in our own personal experience. Can anybody agree with me that we need to rebuild that wall of prayer? Does anybody understand that, uh, you know, a, a city without walls is very vulnerable. A city without walls is easy to be attacked and easy to be overtaken. And so personally, in our own individual experience, we need some walls to be rebuilt. And then collectively as a congregation, we here at Landmark, at this church, on this hill, in this place, we need some walls to be rebuilt. There are some things that have been torn down. And so it was with Nehemiah, the cupbearer. He is a, he is a servant. He is a, he's a prisoner, a slave in a foreign land. And he hears word that the walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. And he's granted leave of his Lord and Master, and he goes and sees the devastation. And he reviews the destruction, and he looks at all that has been broken and torn down. And it causes him to mourn and to grieve. Certainly, we can look around 
at the havoc that hell is doing in the world today and the hurt and the heartache that's in the church today in our homes, I think it's time we get on our prayer bones one more time. Amen. Now, if you think that there's some easy way to do this, I'm sorry for you. If you think that there's some easy way to accomplish this, I'm sorry for you. But I'm going to shoot straight with you, church, and tell you the only way we're going to have the revival we need is if we get back on our prayer bones one more time. We're going to have to pray the same prayer. And we're going to have to come to the same consecration. And we're going to have to come to the same commitment and the same clean living that our parents and our forefathers paid that kind of price for us to have revival. We're going to have to pray one more time. (coughs) And very honestly, my heart is turned to revival. And I, I don't want to allow the things that rival and the things that oppose, and the things that would try to come against us to ruin our hope of revival. And there are a number of things that rival the work of God. And they are things that would come against and antagonize and oppose what God desires to do. But I know this. If I can bring my will and get my mind to a place that I have a mind to work, a heart, and a desire to do what is the will of God, if we link ourselves with Him... I believe God will do the work in our hearts. And it's not going to start anywhere but here. And that's why I'm preaching here. And that's why my burden is here. Because I believe God wants to rebuild the wall here in this community. God wants to send revival here. It don't always have to be somewhere else. And thank God for somewhere else. That's an encouragement. But would anybody agree with me what God done there? God can do here and what God has done in other places. God can do the same right here in this place and what God has done in another time. He can do it now. And so I'm saying, Landmark, let's get a will. Let's get a hunger. Let's get a desire. And if we'll get that, we can rebuild the wall. (laughs) Chapter 4 is it will be my study here today in verses 1 through 10. Of Nehemiah, there's opposition that is to be expected. There is opposition that is to be expected. When Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. Verse 2 of chapter 4 and spake with his brethren, and the army of Samaria said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? They begin to mock and they begin to make fun. Verse number 7 of chapter 4. And it came to pass that when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth. How very How very disparaging uh, the words from without. Words that denigrated. Words that tore down. Words that derided and discredited and mocked and made fun of of what Nehemiah was doing. You know, and I'm going to tell you what. 
if you listen, if you listen, God save us. We can't help but listen. But you hear of everything that's going on in the, in the, in the world today. And it seems like that, uh, that every politician that gets behind a microphone is anti-God, anti-church, anti-faith, more and more and more. And it seems like that they have become so intolerant of virtue. They have become intolerant of purity. They have become intolerant of morality. They have been, become intolerant of what the Bible says concerning wedded life and home life and on and on and on I could go. Discouraging words. Discouraging words that disparage and, and speak ill of and denigrate. But I don't think that bothered Nehemiah as much as what I see in chapter 4 and verse number 10. How disparaging the words without. But notice Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 10. The scripture there said, And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish. The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. If there's disparaging words without... I think the thing that we have to identify and the thing that we have to come to grips with is the discouragement of those that are worn within. The strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed. Now I need you to listen to me, okay? I need you to listen to me because I know where you're at because I've been there before. And so let me humbly ask you, and I say this with all the, all the love that I can. If this was easy, everybody would be doing it. If this was easy, everybody would want a church. If this was easy, everybody would be lined up to pioneer holiness church. So don't get discouraged with it. Amen. We do not need to give occasion and we do not need to give opportunity to allow things to come out of our mouth that would discourage someone else as they attempt to labor on the wall. And while it, things that are said on the outside, that's hard to deal with. But more difficult is things that are said on the inside. Nobody has to be Captain Obvious. Nobody has to tell us what we all can see. Nobody has to tell us what everybody else knows. We all need a good baptism of encouragement. We all need a good baptism of trying to edify and uplift one another. I've got eyes to see. I can see. You've got eyes to see. You can see. I don't need you to tell me what I already know. I don't need you to tell me what I can already see. And so they come to Nehemiah and they say, we can't do this. Our strength is decayed. We're worn and we're weary and we're tired. But listen, we cannot afford to let the weariness, we cannot afford to let the tired 
tiredness. We cannot afford to let the things that we are fighting against to wear us down. And that's what the devil wants to do in this late last hour is wear down the saints of the Most High. He wants to cause us to look at the bad. He wants to cause us to major on the hard things. But I come to Landmark today to give God some praise and give God some glory and thank Him for what He has done and give Him praise and honor for what He is doing and what He is yet going to do with somebody like to worship and give Him praise. Yes, friend. Yes. Oftentimes, the things that we see are the greatest enemy to our faith. And may I say that I as a minister, I sometimes am tired in the work. But I can honestly say by God's grace, I've never been tired of the work. There's been times, amen, when I felt like I had reached my end and I exerted all of my strength and I had preached my guts out and it seemed like I was taxed and tired and it seemed like I didn't have any more to give. I might have been tired in it, but I've never got tired of it. And by His grace, I'm preaching to you today because I know if I keep on praying and I keep on preaching, after a while, victory! is going to come. <coughs> the easiest thing in the world for us to do is to get our eyes on the obvious and for us to become discouraged because of tiredness. But the verdict of the weary is never valid. Satan rejoices in the resignation of weary workers. You should never make a decision in weak moments. You should never make a decision when you're tired. Will you hear me while I preach? If you have a financial decision, don't be rash. If you have an occupational decision, don't be rushed. And don't ever make a decision when you're at a spiritual low. Would someone help me? For you see, in those moments, our nerves are frayed. Our emotions are frazzled. And if we're not careful because we gauge our strength at that moment as weak, we do not see ourselves up to the task. We do not think ourselves able to be a man to have the fortitude to be able to complete but Paul said I'm not so much worried about when I'm weak because when I'm weak I'm made strong Hallelujah. And so I need to tell somebody just because you feel tired. Amen. Remember, please, you're serving a God. Amen. That is unfailing. You're serving a God that's never weary. You're serving a God that's never worn. And there's some of you in the weeks ahead with the things that you've got to try to accomplish. You're going to get tired. And the devil's going to perch on your shoulder and say, you can't and you won't. I need to preach to you you can stand flat-footed and say by God's grace 
I will. Has anybody got the message? The doubters and the naysayers and the skeptics and the scoffers say you can't and you won't. But I'm preaching on where there's a will, there's a wall. And if you'll say I will, by God's grace, you can pass the test. You can climb the mountain. You can overcome. You can gain the victory. Where there's a will, there's a wall. Amen. Give God some praise. <clears throat> there is opposition to be expected. There are obstacles that must be eliminated in chapter 6. And again, in chapter 4 rather, again look at verse number 6. So built with the wall and the wall was joined together. Under the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They got half of it done. In verse 10, Judah said, The strength of the bears' burden is decayed, and there's much rubbish. Wow. You see, there was debris that had to be removed. And I think this is the thing that disheartened them so much. Is when they began to look at the devastation, they realized we can't build there. We can't build on that. And that word debris, if you go back all the way to Genesis, all the way through, that word is dirt, dust. How many of you know you can't lay a foundation and build a wall up on just dirt? You've got to dig down. And you've got to get some bedrock. You've got to get to substance. You've got to get past surface. And that's the reason why so many people fail is because they don't get down to substance. Remember the foolish man? He hears the sayings, and what does he do? He says, well, it looks like a good place to lay some rock. I'll just lay them right there. And because he lays them on shifting sands, what happens when the storm comes? Amen. It's eroded. It's washed away. It's destroyed because he did not dig down to the rock. But the wise man is he that digs down to the rock. Friend, we've got to get to the bedrock of our beliefs. We've got to dig down and we've got to get rooted and grounded on the Word of God. Your experience has got to be more than emotion. I thank God for what I felt in the service this morning. I have felt the encouragement of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> but there's been sometimes I didn't feel that encouragement. There's been sometimes I didn't feel that witness of the Spirit that I wanted to feel. But nevertheless, my hope is built on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. My faith is on the bedrock of the Word of God. You gotta dig all the rubbish out. You gotta you gotta dig all the debris out and get down on the rock. And if you'll get on the rock, you can have victory when the shout's not there. If you'll get on the rock, you can have victory even when you don't feel like you've got victory. Amen. <clears throat> Verse number 12 of chapter number 4. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. There were some obstacles that had to be eliminated. 
First, all the debris had to be removed. And then there was some discord that could not be repeated. Now, verse number 12 simply makes it clear that they were some Samaritan Jews that lived on the border. They lived outside of Jerusalem, and they lived right on the border of where Geshem and Tobiah and Sambalat and their cities were. They lived close enough to the edge that they could hear everything the enemy was saying. And he, they came ten times. They came ten times and told Nehemiah. But I, I love Nehemiah. He never addressed it. He ignored it. And you know the reason why they had so many misgivings, these that live right on the border, is they were living too close. Now, this would be a good opportunity. But being the wise man that I am, I'm not going to ruin a good sermon by preaching against social media. But you're all smart enough to know that the best thing sometimes you could do is get away from the border. Turn that mess off. You can fill your mind with so much stuff. And if you're not careful, you can tell us about all that. And you can't tell us about this. You can have too many friends. You can have too many of the wrong friends. And you can get so involved with everything that the enemy camp is saying till pretty soon you, you, you're, you're, you're duped into believing that that's the way it is. That's not the way it is. Holiness is still right. And God's people are good people. Now, if there's one thing that makes me cat-hopping mad, and if there's one thing that makes me gagging, puking sick, and that's all for the podcast ministry right there, is for people that have benefited and been blessed by the church that come to us when their marriages were busted, when their homes were about to break apart, when they had babies they couldn't feed, when they come to this preacher and I paid their light bill and I paid their grocery bill and I paid their rent and I helped them buy an automobile and I took care of them when they couldn't have put two nickels together. And now they're the ones that want to get on social media and talk about how evil and how heartless and how mean and how cruel the church is. I want to tell you it's the church that's loved. It's the church that's been benevolent. It's the church that's been kind. And I will not listen to anybody disparage or denigrate or discredit the church. I say the church is wonderful. The church is great. And you ought to shout amen. I thank God for the church. I thank God for the church that loved me. I thank God for the church that prayed for me. I don't have time 
down at the border listening to what the world has got to say. <clears throat> and now as I hurry on, there's opposition to be expected. There's obstacles that must be eliminated. But there's omnipotence that must be emphasized. Chapter 4, verse 13. Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. And here it is. Nehemiah said, Remember the Lord. Hallelujah. Which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. Remember the Lord and fight. Fight. Fight, Billy Woodward. Fight, Debbie Woodward. Fight for them grandchildren. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody know what skin in the game means? I got some skin in the game. Amen. I've got an investment. I've put blood, sweat, and tears in this. I've got children. I've got a little grand girl. I got skin in the game. Because you see, one of these days I'm believing my little Sadie Catherine is going to get on this altar and know the Lord in the free pardon of sin. And at an early age, pray through the baptism of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues and never have to know the ravages and the ruin that sin can ramshack and destroy a life. I got some skin in the game. Amen. I love every one of you. Amen. You are my heart. Amen. God has knit us together. I look at you as my brothers and sisters and my children. I got some skin in the game. And my mind's made up. I'm going to fight for my children. I look at you as being my children in the Lord. I got some skin in the game. And I'm going to fight for it. And I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to ruin. Amen. <laughs> well, give the Lord some praise in the house. The truth that must be applied in verses 13 through 18. And then the triumph that is to be anticipated. In verse number 20, he's told them now to watch and work. In verse number 20, and he says these words of encouragement. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet. Resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. You see, it's very easy for us to get discouraged it's very easy for us to only center on what seems to be so hard. But if we will put the emphasis on him, we're linking ourselves with omnipotence. Oh, hallelujah. You didn't get it. Praise God. When you, when you get on that job... And it seems like that hell has come against you from every way. 
Do you understand that you're not on that job by yourself? You're a child of God. And now your intellect has the intuitive knowingness of the Spirit. And the Scripture says of the Holy Ghost, He'll bring things to your remembrance. <laughs> Just exactly what you need to say to that person. He can give you the Scripture. He can give you the... You're not in this on your own. <laughs> I don't fight by myself. We're not in this fight alone. God will fight for us. Anybody get it? God. Oh, I feel him right now. Somebody give him some praise. Stand all over the house. Where there's a wheel, there's a wall. And so I need to say to somebody, God's got this. God's going to take care of this one for you. You give it to him. <clears throat> Your head's bowed. Father, thank you for this precious congregation. Thank you, Lord, for what I know right now in this place. For that work of reconstruction. For that, word of, that work of restoration that you're doing in hearts and lives. Help that mom, dad, not to get weary with it, Lord. Help them to be committed to the task. Help them, Lord, to be faithful. And help us as a church to be an encouragement and a means of strength to edify and upbuild one another. Your head's bowed. Brother McDonald. I got a big job ahead of me, but I've been made to realize I can't do this one on my own, but I'm going to commit it all to the Lord. You, you want to do that today, I want you to raise your hand. God bless you. God sees that. This one's not mine. This one's God's. And I'm going to let him fight it for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? The Lord saw all those hands. Let's gather in around the front and seek the Lord. Let's have a good altar here today. Offering its glitter, trying to dim 